G'day guys and welcome to the Bradley J Driver Experience. I'm your host Brad and very excited for today. It's episode 23. I'm here with a guy who done wonders here in the NRL in Australia. He's now over in the UK playing in the Super League. From what I can hear, a bit of a fan favourite um, and rightfully so. He's a great dude. He's got a good story and um, a very good guy with, that's done some amazing things for, for some people here in Australia too. Blake Austin, how are you brother? Good, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, bud. Mate, I appreciate it. It's, um, it's funny, you were one of the guys that come to mind when I wanted to get a few athletes on the show. Um, I think we've been connected on socials for a little bit now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like to follow real estate agents, mate. I think that's, that's where I come across you. So. Mate, it was. And to be honest, I thought I was on a bit of an inside scoop because I think you started following me when I was down in Melbourne, selling a bit of stuff down there. And I, um, I thought, fuck, maybe he's moving to Melbourne. Because there's a little <laughs> bit of talk at the time and I knew you were leaving. I think you were leaving the Tigers. Or maybe, or maybe it was when you were at Canberra. Yeah, not too sure. I think, as I said, I'd just like to uh, probably just, yeah, I think it's a good, good thing to do. Is I uh, follow quite a few real estate agents, see what's going on, see how the market's going. So, and definitely, you get the, odd, um, the odd tip coming through the stories and that as well. So, yeah, no, yeah, definitely, man. I'm stoked. Well, it led to us being connected and being on here, so I'm glad, mate. But I, um, you know, one thing that strikes strikes when I sort of think of you is, I remember watching the footy show a couple of years ago, and you know there was obviously yourself as a presence at the West Tigers, and, and I thought, you know, not to piss in your pocket, but I really like your style of play, sort of fast, direct, and, and like to run the footy, which I like in a half. And so I enjoyed watching you play, but then I also seen the story where I know you were coaching a few sides, a few young guys' sides in around the Campbelltown area. Uh, out in Doonside, yeah. So uh, Western Sydney, I, I think it's the beautiful thing. We, you know, it's, it's one of the great things we have as athletes is we, we have the potential to uh, really impact lives. I'm, I'm very proud of where I've, I've come from in, in, in Western Sydney and, and any chance I get to sort of give back to those areas, it's... Um, you know, it's something I really enjoy and we're in a day and age now where, you know, there's a really strong group of us now that are really proud of where we come from. You know, five or 10 years ago, it, it wasn't something you were happy to tell people that you're, you're from Mount Druid. So, um, but you know, there's, there's a real good, strong young crop coming through that are, you know, really sure of themselves and, and really proud of where they come from. So, um, you know, and I'm one of those that's really proud of, um, you know, the, the path that I've walked. Definitely, definitely, mate. And so tell me, what was life for you like growing up? You obviously grew uh, up in that area. Yeah, it wasn't. I, I was really lucky that I had really good parents. Like I, I played in teams all my life where, um, you know, there'd, there'd only be three or four parents on the sideline watching. And, you know, I was fortunate enough that the two of them were mine. My mum my and dad were my... Um, my coach in rugby league the whole way through. My mum my was my manager. My dad was my coach. So, uh, but we would sort of, we'd be picking up all the local kids, obviously some of the better players, obviously, um, you know, had, uh, you know, different sort of home life. So, so we'd get around in our big van and, and pick them all up and, and get them to the games. And, um, so one thing I, that stands out the most from my childhood, and, you know, I probably don't tell them enough, but it's just how blessed I was to, to have the parents that I had. We, we certainly... We certainly didn't have much money and uh, things like that, and times were certainly tough. But uh, no expense was ever spared on sport, and and no time or effort that they put in was ever spared on, um, you know, giving me the best opportunity to achieve what I wanted to either. So, 
uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty blessed with the parents that I've got. Does it feel crazy now running out into a packed stadium and thinking back to days where you're picking up your mates in a van and, and riding along the games in Western Sydney? Yeah, it's, you know, it's sometimes when you're caught up in the, you know, the hype around our game, it's certainly in Australia, it's, you know, you wish you could rewind the clock and, and go back to much simpler days like that. But um, it's a sense of pride. I think your family do so much for you growing up, not just your mum and dad, but like my brothers and sisters probably sacrificed a little bit because, um, you know, my sport probably took a little bit of precedence at times and things like that. So playing professional sport, it's obviously a huge thrill for me, but I think the kick that your family gets out of it and, um, that's something, you know, with retirement that I've always thought about. Like, it's, it's obviously tough for you, but it's, it's sort of a chapter closed in your, in your family's life too, I suppose. So, Definitely. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud that I get to, to bring some joy um, to, to their lives and, and it's certainly enjoyable for me as well. That's amazing to hear, mate. And your first taste in the NRL was the Tigers? Uh, Panthers. Panthers. Okay. Panthers. What age was um, that? Panthers Junior. So I, I come through all the sort of, development teams that you could make from from under 12s right through and um, obviously that's a that's a really long journey but um, got to make my debut in 2011 um, and coming through the uh, as I said as a local junior it was a huge thrill to to debut for the club that um, you know although I didn't didn't support them I certainly knew that if I was going to play NRL it was going to be you know I was going to get my chance at Panthers so uh, yeah, really, really huge thrill to debut for my, my junior club. And then obviously from there, you know, it's, especially as a half, you, you come into the game at a time where, the, you know, there's always a good crop of halves around, but I feel like you had something a little bit different to most of the guys. You know, you're a really good ball runner, really could play really straight footy and you're a tough lad. Like I always thought you were an origin type player. And I was actually talking to that about, I was talking about that with one of the lads at the local cafe this morning, and he was saying, man, I'm, I'm devastated he never played Origin because he would have been a great New South Wales half. For you, like, what did you find that your game changed over time? I know you just said you come through in the centres. Um, did your game change over time and did, did it develop? The biggest issue I had was, uh, you know, I had a growth spurt at 16 and, you know, shot up to six foot. I was a beam, you know, I was a, I was a string beam for, for a long time, but, my whole time at Panthers, no one could commit to what position I was ever going to be. And, and with that, had its own challenges. Like, I, I debuted with the Panthers. I come on off the bench in the back row, you know what I mean? And I spent a bit of time at the back end of that match at 5'8". I, I just got moved around, you know, a lot. And, and no one or no coach would commit to, to one position, I think. The challenges that come with that, I had to stay heavy enough to to mix it in the back row, but I also had to stay, you know, quick enough and, and lean and nimble enough if, if they called upon me to play in the half. So um, my time at Panthers, obviously, you know, I've, I've spoke about it before, but I come through the 20 system and, and, and was a decent player, come through with some pretty decent raps and, um, you know, being young and naive as you are, I, I just assumed things were going to happen. I, um, yeah. you know, and, and that's not how it works. I got a, I got a pretty rude shock and, and then sort of hit a roadblock at the Panthers and struggled to sort of find my next club. But one thing I did want to one thing I did want to do with moving away from Panthers is I wanted my next club to commit commit to a position. Yeah. So I I got myself in really good shape, um, and and I got myself into to, to really good five eight shape. Not not um, not any other position. So I, I went to the Tigers, um, you know, under the pretense that I was I was a five eight, 
you know, and they were really happy to commit to that. Um, and, and that's what sort of sent me, sent me on my journey to, to, to playing number six, I think. Um, back to your origin question, I think I would have been a great origin player too, mate. I, I think the 14, the 14 jersey would have, you know, was, was made for someone like me. But, uh, you know, that's the way it works. And I'm, I'm really happy with the way my career's progressed. Um, and blessed that I, I get to say that I'm a professional rugby league player. It's something that I sort of always dreamt of, set out to do since I was very young and yeah, been really blessed. You know, it's funny. I was talking to, um, I was talking to Isaac John about this the other day. It really is every young kid's dream in Australia and New Zealand, hey, to be like it was men. I can't, I can't count the amount of days or afternoons I spent after school kicking a footy across the cul-de-sac, imagining running out onto that field. And for, for those like yourself who are lucky enough to do it for a living, it must feel like the biggest blessing. Yeah, and like I said, the world gets that crazy and, and so fast-paced that you can forget that. It's it's really important you remind yourself. I think, you know, the media plays a huge role in, in sucking some enjoyment out of the game at, at, at times. But, um, you know, that's a beast that, that – it's a necessary beast, I suppose. But, um, you know, we are chatting last night and, um, you know, there's a real wave of up-and-coming rappers coming out of Mount Druid. And um, I think it's a wonderful time when you can – you know, even even like yourself, you can you can grab a mic or and a, and a camera and um, start a YouTube channel, and before you know it, you can you can have millions, millions of people sort of at your your um, disposal. So um, I'm really proud that you know places like Mount Druid. Obviously, every kid has always grown up and told that your best chance to get out of here is to become a rugby league player. And um, yeah. there's a real new wave of rappers now that that are showing another path and giving another opportunity for. Um, you know, for young kids to show their creativity and things like that. So, but you are right. Everyone, everyone's young dream. You know, it, it, it centers around sport, and, and in Australia, a lot of times that sport is rugby league. So, talk to me. Obviously, Canberra, the opportunity come up there. You had an amazing time at Canberra. Like you played well. You really fit into that squad, and you guys had some success while you were there. I thought. Um, obviously, with that coming to a close, you had a decision to make. When the opportunity for the UK come up, how serious were you considering that? Because it's a big move, especially with a family. Yeah, I think, you know, looking back on my time at Canberra, I think, you know, I, I certainly consider it success, successful, obviously for me. But I think as a club too, we, we, we breathed a bit of life back in that, that community and that area. It's, they, were, they were going through a bit of a sort of revamped stage. And, you know, as I said, we me and, and a few of our other players that come in at the time certainly helped doing that and, and, and they've certainly even soared to high, high heights since I've left. So I'm really proud of, uh, of where that club is now, um, you know, and I played some small role in that. So that's that's something I'm proud of. And um, what was the second part of the question? You, you've lost me. Oh, experience oh, warranted, yeah. So um, do you know what? I it, it, That year, so earlier that year, the, the UK was something I flat out, um, was not open to. So my manager had come to me um, with other opportunities before the Warrington one and it was something I wasn't willing to do. And um, To be honest, I think it's it, it was outside perceptions that were fueling that. I think um, it, it's something that I've, I've really enjoyed trying to break down that stereotype that you have to you have to be washed up and, and have no other option to come to the UK. Like, that certainly wasn't my case. I certainly got a good deal to come over and... Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll never deny that. But 
you know, it's I've been able to come over a time, you know, 27 years old I come over, so I was excited about coming over and performing well. You know, That's a lot cool. of players do come over at the back end of their careers, but um, yeah, so back on that, I think it was it was people's opinions that were were sort of driving that. Like, I get a lot of people now say like, oh, you shouldn't have left, or the NRL shouldn't have let you go, or and things like that. And um, with them come, you know, it's it, it's sort of a loaded question, like you like you were washed up and you had no other options and, yeah. and you had to go settle for a career over in the Super League. So that's something I'm, I'm trying to change. I knew that coming over that, you know, with uh, with my heritage, I knew that I, I, I could pledge to England and, and that's something I wanted to do for a long time. So um, I knew coming over that I had an opportunity to potentially further my career and, and, and actually go to sort of higher heights than what I did in the NRL. So, um once I got that into my head and said, you know what, you, you do what's right for you and get all the outside noise out there, um, which certainly made the decision a lot easier. And I'm, I'm really lucky I'm at a club, Warrington. Um, you know, we've got some wonderful owners. We're, we're in a really cool town. Um, it reminds me a lot of Western Sydney, actually. It makes me, makes me feel really comfortable and not miss home as much. It's got a very similar yeah. working class uh, feel to it. Um, it's such a big, mad rugby town. People don't realise that. Um, obviously, in a big, big soccer or football country, that Warrington's so huge and, and a big rugby town. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I haven't looked back. I've, I've been really excited and, and really happy with the decision I made to come over. I'm glad you touched on that because, you know, it's it's something that's always frustrated me as well. You look at a game like you mentioned it there, soccer in in Europe or football, as they like to call it, is it's so popular and it's not. It's not weird for someone to leave the Premier League and go play in Bundesliga or to go play in one of the other European leagues and still be considered top tier, where it's almost like, I think there's actually a really healthy competition in that Super League, bringing players like yourself over who are still at the top of their game. It keeps the NRL on their toes and it does the same over there. And I think it just continues to develop the game internationally. And that's always been the one thing with rugby league. Like, is it, I grew up on league, so I, I love the sport. But if I look at the international platform, really outside of, you know, the three main countries, Australia, New Zealand and England, there isn't a lot of competition. I think part of that is because we're not developing the game internationally. Yeah, you're right. It, 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 our, our international game is certainly missing something. I think um, in 10 years' time, we're going to owe a lot to guys like Jason Tomalolo and, and Andrew Fafita and them guys that... Definitely turn their back on some, some more lucrative opportunities and, and try to lift the Tongan game up. There's, there's kids that are 8, 9 and 10 years old in their lounge rooms now aspiring to play for Tonga. And, um, although there's been that feeling in a lot of them Tongan kids before, probably it's, it's, it's never been fueled like it has before. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's an arrogant thing with, with the NRL and, and they've got every right to be. The, the NRL product is it's the best rugby league product in the world and the Super League's got a long way to go to... Um, to bridge that gap, but um, it, it's a one. There's so many wonderful things about the Super League that that it has that the NRL doesn't as well. It's you know I, I sort of say it's the best kept secret, and um, you know I'm, I'm really glad. I, I sort of knew the Super League was going to sort of suit me and my personality and and the way I play, and um, you know I, I thrive off a crowd, and you know you don't get better, man. you don't get better live crowds than than in the Super League. So that's something I'm really enjoying. You, you know, back in the NRL, we've obviously got a wonderful TV product, but um, playing in, in front of 15,000 in 80,000 stadiums, not, uh, you know, you're not, you're not really enjoying that too much. So, 
No, definitely. Um, yeah, Mate, I'm a Chooks uh, fan, so I know all about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk to me about the transition. How was it? Was it easy sliding over there? It looks like you got a good group of lads there. No, oh, transition. The, the the move with the family was easy. I think um, I made a few decisions that I thought were going to make it easier. One was that I had to sort of, as hard as this was, because I'm a footy geek, but I had to zone out of the NRL for a little while. I thought if yeah. I if I stayed too honed into that, I'd miss it too much and want to come back. So that was one decision we made. Um, but we were really confident. I've got a wonderful partner that was, you know, she gave me the backing to, to pick whatever I wanted to do for my career. And, you know, she'd be there to support with the kids. So, but we made the, the decision and, and we knew that the lifestyle over here would, would suit us. And, you know, we weren't scared of the weather or anything like that, like a lot of people are. And, um, yeah, so we jumped right in. In terms of the team, um, great, great bunch of guys. The English lads are... Um, they're a laugh. Everything's everything's banter. Everything's nothing serious, and um, you know that suits me down to a T. Um, yeah. The playing, the playing, I struggled with. You know, it's it's a different game. I don't even really know how to describe why it's different. It, it just is different. And the hardest thing was, I since I'd signed, I'd been told by everyone that I was going to come over here and breeze through it, and it was going to be a style of footy that was going to be simple and you know cruisy for me, but. It took me a good five or six weeks to really understand what the style of play was all about and, um, and really get going. But, you know, once I got going, it, yeah, you know, I, I had a really enjoyable year last year. It was marred by a few injuries, but, uh, you know, the, the, the year finished with the Great Britain Tour, which was, you know, the, the biggest achievement of my career. So, uh, yeah, I'd say, you know, a really successful first year here in, in the north of England. Definitely. And, and, like, what's life like over there? It seems... You know, I, I love the idea of it because you're so close to Europe. If you, if you cast your mind outside of footy, your ability to travel, have a really exciting life with a family looks great. And it looks like your family loves it too. Yeah, well, you know, one of the decisions we made was we didn't want to dive right into the travel too quick. Obviously, yeah. you know, I had, I had all the aspirations I had with my footy that I wanted to make sure that was the first thing that, that took care of itself. We're obviously heading into our second year now, so we 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 still done we still done a bit of travel and, and got to see it, and that's that's an amazing part of coming over. Um, you know, you've got bloody hell. You know, we're doing training camps in Portugal, so as you can imagine, a kid from Western Sydney sort of boarding a plane with twenty of his teammates and hopping off a plane an hour, you know an hour and a bit later and, and landing in Portugal like that's something that. Uh, you know, my parents are 50, 55 years old and, you know, only left the country for the first time last year to come and visit me. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, um, yeah I don't take them things for granted, you know what I mean? Touching down in Portugal, flying to Spain, like places like that, it's, it is it is pretty remarkable that, you know, a kid from Western Sydney can be doing that and, and sports sort of allowing me to do that. But um, it is, it's, it's a really, you know, I, I really admire the English people for their, their mindset and their way of life, if, if that makes sense. I think where we live, it just seems everyone's content with their lives. I think in Australia, everyone's trying to climb that ladder and get to the next run, whereas, you know, over here, I think there seems to be, you know, they're really content. You know, if, if they only earn 500 a week or 300 a week, they, they know where all that money's going and as long as their bills are paid and they get a beer at the end of the week, they're, they're pretty, they're, as I said, they're pretty content with life and, yeah. uh, and they are pretty happy. They, they just want to get to the pub, have a laugh and, and you know, and have a beer. And um, I really admire that about the English, the English people. As I said, back home, it's a rat race and, you know, everyone's sort of, like I said, I suppose, chasing that, 
that next step. And that's not a bad thing either, but, um, you know, a nice little balance. And, and, and me being able to see both sides of that, I think, has been really cool as well. Do you think part of that, that ability to be quite content with what they have there is, do you think that's because their sports culture and their passion for their sports and their teams is so yeah. strong that part of that is like their enjoyment and their excitement. Yeah, that's right. I think that's, you know, when I say go to the pub and have a beer, well, you, yeah, you're right. That's normally either to watch a, a football match or, you know, or, or sit in the South Stand at, at Warrington, you know what I mean? So you, you're definitely right about that. I think, um, you know, sport over here, especially uh, football, but, you know, in our town, rugby as well, it's, it's an institution and it's just what you do on the weekend is you you put on your scarf or, you know, you wave your flag and, and you cheer for your, um, your your team. So that is a really good point. I think obviously in Australia, you know, we love our teams, but um, we just don't quite get behind them in in the same way. Like, yeah. the England's got a chant culture. Like, this is what I try and tell people. Like, they go to a pub, you know, and there'll be six guys sitting around. They'll make a chant up in, in five minutes. And then for the rest of that night, they're just, they're, they're yelling a chant. You know what I mean? They're just... You know what, man? I'm really, really excited. Sorry, I cut you off there. I really experienced it. I went to London in 2016. Yeah. And I went to, we're lucky enough that we got tickets to Arsenal Tottenham, so the Derby. Yeah. Mate, I've never experienced anything like, I had a guy behind us, like losing his mind. Obviously didn't know we're from the UK, but losing his mind because I wasn't singing. I was like, bro, I'm from Wollongong, bro. I don't know what you're singing. Um, But like, just... They, they live for it. They absolutely live for it. And it's exciting to see for you, that would be, I guess, the, probably the biggest change, right? Yeah, but it's, it's, it's so refreshing. Like, you know, as I've always said myself as a rugby league player, the worst thing about being a rugby league player is you can't be a fan. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't wait to finish and, you know, pick my team and go with my son to a, a Friday night match and sit in the stands and not have to have any nerves or... Yeah. Um, you know, just, just be invested in my team and cheer for them. So when you go to sports like football in this country and you get to be a part of something, that's that's sort of something I've longed for. So, I mean, you, you talk about pinch yourself moments like Pack, Pack Stadium at Anfield. I've, I, when I knew I was coming over, I took on supporting Liverpool. Uh, yeah. But, you know, Pack Stadium at Anfield, that's that's a pinch yourself moment for a kid from Western Sydney as well. There's uh, you know, 50, 55 odd thousand singing, you'll never walk alone before a match is uh, nothing more special than that. And I think that's probably the best sort of live sport product there'd be sort of anywhere in the world, I reckon. Yeah. Do you so, think uh, because... the Viking clap would be a close second to that, I'd imagine? Definitely. Probably the Raiders, yeah. Hey, tell me, like, for you, obviously, going into that world where, like you said, football over there is. It's so popular and it has such a powerful stance in, in culture and weekly life um, for the English people. Do you find that your profile is a little bit lower as a, as a league player over there in terms of media presence? I'd say not a little bit lower. I'd say a lot lower. Like in, in comparison to the NRL, it's, it's worlds apart. Because like, sorry, I was going to say in Australia, like if you stepped on a fucking ant, like the media's on it. It's what yeah, I try to explain to the boys, you know, and it's it's hard because, you know, the media and the money pumped into at the NRL, you know, you, you, you sort of, it's, it's, it's sort of give and take, you know what I mean? Whereas over here, um, the, the money's not there, but on the flip side of that, you get to live your life. And it's, that's one of the most refreshing things. Like, you know, I get to, I, I get paid well to play rugby league over here, just like I would in Australia. But the only difference is I get to, I get to sort of, 
blend into society. And um, obviously, Warrington's a rugby town, so in and around Warrington, I you know you know I get noticed and things like that. But mate, you, if you're out in a night out in Manchester, no one could give two shit to you. Are in a bar, so yeah, um, that's really exciting. I think it, it it has an effect on your kids as well. I've you know I've never thought of it that way, but growing up, I you know I'd, I'd always looked at kids that had famous rugby fathers or you know I just probably always always looked at them and thought how easy their life must be in rugby league and how easy they've they've got picked in the teams that they have and um, you know it's a pretty it was a pretty sort of shallow sort of mindset to have I think now I've got kids that sort of are in that boat and I'd hate for that you know for my kids but I, I remember my son was sort of I think he was about five and we used to, obviously, I was doing a lot with the local community and my local footy club, but he'd say to his mum things like, I hate going to footy because everyone stares at us, you know what I mean? And um, you, you sort of forget that. Like, it's yeah. it's great that you get to inspire so many people, but, you know, I've got four kids here of my own that um, that, that need their dad as well. So that's that's been the most refreshing thing. I think we're pretty isolated over here. It's just me, my missus, and my four kids. Um, yeah, we've got some great friends, but um, in terms of, uh, family support it's just us and, and what that forces you to do is sort of bunker down and you know really hone in as a family and and that's been really enjoyable my, my relationship with my son's gone to new levels I think I've got three daughters that you know hassle the, the crap out of me couldn't make up on me and things like that but um, that's that's we, we sort of got that a little bit in Canberra because we, we were isolated in Canberra as well but um, even more so here like you the, the family relationship's gone to a whole new level you know what? It's, it's funny you say that because I guess I was, I've been watching the MJ documentary, The Last Dance. And that was one of the things I really picked up from that. Like he's obviously in terms of iconic sporting figures, he's right up there, but he couldn't live a life. Like the amount of times you've seen in that footage, him like sat in a hotel room with a cigar and a whiskey or a scotch because he couldn't leave. It's almost like it's a sacrifice that I think a lot of people make and probably fans don't appreciate the sacrifice sometimes that has to be made of, of having a life outside of the game you play and love. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think with that documentary, I was I was pretty on the fence the whole way through. I think uh, for whatever reason, he's what he'd done in the basketball court just didn't really impress me that much. I, I know it was amazing and what he'd done, but I'm not a basketball fan. Like if, if someone had done that in rugby league, like I'd be, I'd be yeah. fully, I'd love to watch it, but the moment, I think the episode it might have been the last, the third last or fourth last, where he spoke about like, um, I think he spoke about just being being an idol or, or a role model, and you know, if if you don't like what I do, then maybe I'm not the, the role model or the idol for you. And I think that just sort of that just sort of hit home the the life that he had to leave, and you know, it it, it told me more about Michael Jordan the person than it did sort of the player, and 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 that's what sort of swung me, and I stuck around for the rest of the series and. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's you know, obviously, I'm not Michael Jordan, and I'm I'm certainly not the highest profile player to come out of the NRL ever. But yeah, it certainly comes with its challenges, and um, the fans are normally pretty good. But um, you know, there are a few that probably probably forget that you've got your own family and your own kids to worry about at times. But um, yeah, that we, we we all understand that it comes with the game, and as rugby league players, we are very good with our fans. Obviously, yeah. you know, footballers footballers wouldn't wouldn't get caught talking to a fan or, you know, they're shielded and um, no, no fans allowed within sort of 50 metres of them. So, you know, fans of rugby league are pretty blessed. We, we, we do give as much as we can to our, our fans, but, um, you know, there's certainly limits. 
Is it safe to say that UK is home for the Austin family for the coming years? Yeah, yeah, certainly that's part of my plans. Obviously, uh, you know, I'm not naive enough to know that plans can change pretty quickly. I think there's a real there's a real fear over here that amongst the fans that NRL players use the Super League to uh, one, either, you know, come and get your retirement package or two, come and use the Super League as a holding ground until you can go back to the NRL. Uh, and until you stick around for long enough, that fear doesn't disappear. I get I get messages every week asking if I'm leaving and going home. But uh, certainly part of my immediate plans is to stick around. We're really enjoying it here. I'm, as I said, I'm in a great club. And, uh, but things can change so quickly, you know what I mean? Like life doesn't stop back in Australia, you know. It only takes one or two things to happen back in Australia and um, you, you certainly question it being over here. So uh, people need to remember that as well. But, yeah, we love it here, mate, and, you know, I certainly don't plan on going anywhere uh, just yet. Pretty exciting. Oh, I don't know. You, you Tell me if you can't comment on this too much. Um, but it seems to be official in in most areas. Pretty exciting news for the team and Wolves fans with the signing of Greg Inglis. Um, obviously, that's massive for you guys and for the game over there. Um, has that been spoken about a lot? Yeah, well, obviously, um, you know, just in the WhatsApps amongst the boys, it's certainly made the news. Uh, we're really blessed. Like a lot of people in the Super League see it. The first comments that they, they all make is look, the, the Warrington Wolves are a bit like the Sydney Roosters in the NRL. So the, all the first comments yeah, that get yeah. made, how, how can the Warrington Wolves afford another player? And um, Once again, that's a pretty shallow-minded approach. But I think it's not just a signing for the Warrington Wolves. Like we're, at a, we're at a time in our game over here where like we're in a much tougher position than, than the NRL ever was back home. We, the NRL get you know, 70 to 80% of their money from a TV deal. So all they had to do was get their game back on TV and, you know, that was their saviour. Over here, you know, our TV deal probably only provides, uh, I think it's 20 to 30% of our money. So we're going to get our game back on TV, but that's not that's not when the money starts rolling in for us. For, 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 for clubs over here to sort of be in a, in a good financial position, they need five to 10,000 people in their stadium every home game. You know what I mean? And that's, that's not something we can count on, for, you know, for the foreseeable future. Who knows? It could be, could be well into next year before we see full crowds back in stadiums. So, um, at a time when the, the, the game's in a really tough financial position, for Warrington Wolves to go out and sign a player like Greg Inglis, yeah, sure, it's great for the Warrington Wolves, but um, it's great for the, the entire sport. I think the more... The more quality players, yeah, he's getting on a bit, but the more quality players um, that we can bring over, it's, it's only going to be a good thing for our sport. And um, in terms of our what's happened amongst the playing group, the most overwhelming sort of the most overwhelming sort of uh, thing to come out of that is how excited the young guys are. Like we've got yeah, got 16, 17, 18 year old guys that are excited to train with Blake Austin. Do you know what I mean? So how do you think they feel about Greg Inglis coming over and? spending time in, in the squad and things like that. So uh, that's going to be huge for guys like that. And you know, it's going to be great for the game. I certainly can't wait for him to, to get over here. So, but they yeah, should be just fun. be glad they don't have to tackle him playing for another side. Yeah, I've had a few boys say that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, no, definitely. Has there been a highlight for you within that first year playing there, like playing alongside anyone or a certain moment? that Because from what I've read, like I've done a bit of research this week, and 
There's, you, I don't even know if you realize how many highlight videos there are of you playing for Warrington on YouTube and like, Pete, like people saying Blake Austin that like the highlight captions are like best player in the Super League, like superstar of the Super League, superstar of the UK. There's a lot of hype around you as a player there. Has there been a moment for you that that sort of hit how, how important your signing was and your presence in the UK and, and a highlight amongst that? Um, yeah, it certainly brought a lot of expectation, and that's uh, when I said I took a few, like five or six weeks to get going when I first got over. I think that sort of played a role. Um, so they have this thing over here: every club can sign two marquee signings, um, yeah. you know, and that's great. That with that, it's it, that's basically it's it's around your salary, and it allows the club to keep some of your your salary off the cap, which allows players to allows clubs to attract higher profile players. And that's all good and well, but that's not something I've had to deal with in the past. Like, so not only are the Warrington Wolves signing Blake Austin, but they're signing Blake Austin as a marquee. So if you read if you read any any article in the Super League, my name's never too far away from the word marquee. And with that, sort of brings its challenges. Like in the NRL, we we know the guys that own good money, but they don't have to carry a tag that's different to everyone else in that sense. Yeah. So um, you know that brought its challenges, but um, in terms of you know, probably one of my greatest moments. I, I posted it yesterday. We got to play Magic Weekend at Anfield. Um, and with that came, you know, I just had thrills playing on that stadium. But I was lucky enough to score a pretty decent try. And um, the try was scored in, in front of... So Magic Weekend, you know the concept. All the crowds converge on one stadium and all the games yeah. are on. But we managed to get the biggest turnout out of, out of all teams. We probably had about... Um, about five to 7,000, I reckon we had, maybe even a few more, but they filled the whole end of, um, not the cop end, they, they filled the other end of Anfield Road, whatever, uh, Anfield Stadium, whatever they call that end. Uh, yep. But that was full of Warrington fans and, and that was right under them when I when I scored that try. So, um, yeah, that's that's probably a moment that stands out. Scoring a nice try. I think my caption on Instagram said, nice try, nice uh, we, we had a nice kit. It, it was a different uniform we wore for that match. And, I think I've seen it. It was yesterday, yeah? Yeah, yeah, and it, and it was and it happened to be on Anfield, so um, that was one of my most enjoyable for sure. Oh, definitely. Talk to me about like the cross, I guess, the crossover between your game, football. There, obviously, Union or Rugby Union um, has has some presence in the UK as well. Do you guys tend to to cross paths with a lot of those other superstars from different games? Um, no, no, not as much as we'd like. Obviously, the football guys are. Uh, um, you know, they're just a, they're in a different world than blokes. Um, Who, oi, who's the local site? Like, who's local for you? Well, where we are, so we're smack bang in the middle of Liverpool, Man City, Man United. Um, so them okay. three. So Warrington smack in the middle of them. So we're we're twenty minutes one way to Liverpool and twenty minutes the other way to to Manchester. So yeah, we are. Yes, like Warrington's. It's part of the Cheshire uh, area, but yep. so. One part of Cheshire is where all, like, so your elderly edge and, and areas like that, that's where, like, your Cheshire Housewives is filmed and that's where that's where all your footballers live. So uh, Gareth Whitton come over and he, he's trying to live as close to there as he can. But um, he's not quite nestled in, in the deep of it because, you, you know, you've got, to, you've got to have pretty heavy pockets to be in there. But uh, hey, definitely. So a lot of players live in those areas um, and then when they leave to play for other clubs, they actually stay living there. and They just get drivers and, and, and commute most uh, to, to their other clubs. So that, that's a beautiful area, some big, some big British homes. But 
Uh, rugby union, we, you know, Sail Sharks are the only team we've got around us. Most of the others are down closer to London. Yeah. Uh, but we don't, we don't see much of them. I think they share a stadium with, uh, with Salford Red Devils. So. Okay. Uh, but in terms of crossover, no, nah, there's not too much. Um, as I said, you'd like to see the, uh, the football boys out and about to, to fangirl and things like that. But um, no, you don't cross over too much. Hey, tell me, has, how's a week, a week in the UK as a professional athlete look like compared to a week in Australia? Is it pretty similar? Um, in terms of the footy side of it? Yeah, footy side of things. Uh, yeah, similar. See, like our coach is Steve Price, who's coaching the NRL. Yeah, okay. Um, so, you, you, the thing that, we, you know, as Australians that come over, we, we try not to talk about the NRL too much because the moment you bring it up, you get five English blokes say, well, off back there then if you, yeah. if you love it so much. But um, it, it's certainly about bringing stuff that you've learned. There's no doubt that the NRL is is a much premier competition. So it's about bringing, bringing the things that work there here. But, um, but the, the facts are that not all things that work in the NRL work here either. So yeah. um, it's about marrying them two sort of ideas together and, um, and then coming up with the best result you can. Definitely. And for yourself personally, is there, there's obviously things that you, you want to achieve in the game um, still and, and obviously desire to do that. What are those goals? And what does the next couple of years look like for you if you could pick that path obviously like you said it's unpredictable but if you could pave the way what would it look like um i don't know if you know but warrington as a club you know such a great um you know proud club we haven't won a super league title and i think it's about 50 50 odd years so um that's that's another expectation that i sort of carry and and one that i'm sort of proud of like i've been plucked out of the nrl to come over here and try and bring this town its first super league trophy you know and i've you know, I'd kick myself if I if I couldn't achieve that in my time here. That's that's number one. Um, number two, I got a taste for Great Britain last year. Yeah, sure, it was on the wing and not something I'm used to, but I loved every minute of that. And um, at the end of next year's a, a rugby league World Cup. Um, and to say that I've at the end of my career to say that I competed in a rugby league World Cup, that's that's something I want to achieve. I know with. You know, England's got a new coach now in Sean Wayne that I'm pretty sure is, you know, pretty patriotic. And I don't think, you know, his opinion on letting, um, you know, foreign-born players play for England, I'm not sure, you know, where he definitely stands on that. But all I can do is is be in the best shape possible and, um, you know, perform the best I can um, and just hope that that, that Sean recognises that and and sees a, a role for me in his squad. But... Um, I'm not going to leave any stone unturned. I don't want to miss out on an opportunity to play in a World Cup. So um, I'd say, yeah, and then our, the Super League Grand Final. Um, I was speaking to Josh Papali the other day and uh, he just said how cool it would be if we could both win the, the titles in the same year and then we could meet each other in a, in a uh, World Club Challenge. So um, they should tip Warrington and Canberra to win the, the two Grand Finals and then Warrington to beat Canberra in the World Club Challenge next year. Um, there you yes, go. I, I tell yeah. you what, man, I, I'm a Chooks fan, so I was stoked for the win last year. Um, you think they're done? Pardon? They, they couldn't do it again this year, Roosters, could they? I think the wagons, I think the wheels are going to fall off a little. Man, I'd, I'd like to think so. I just think it's hard to, it's, it's, it's almost hard to expect a young guy to come in and, and fill the shoes of Cooper Cronk. Like, yeah, Latrell gone too. You can't, you can't underestimate what Latrell gone like I, I i i really respect the decision and the way they 
they went with that. I think they made the decision that they're going to move him on and that, but that's a big hole he leaves in the squad, I reckon. So he's see for me, I'm a Latrell fan, and I was I was to a point to a point disappointed that he he isn't with us anymore, especially to go to South of all squads. Yeah. Don't go to South, um, but I. I guess he's he had so many clutch moments throughout the season that justify that superstar value and that you know having him as a player in that squad um, in the grand final you know that that try that led to winning the game was, was off the back of a clutch flick yeah. pass. But as as a fan, I'm a really big fan of Joey Manu. I oh, think he's one of yeah, the yeah. best centers in the game defensively as well. So I think we've still got a squad that can compete. I just don't know if we'll be able to compete in the next two years as the squad redevelops. I think we're maybe two, three years off winning another title. I'd love to be wrong. But I think Canberra, I reckon this year they could go one better. They just seem to be a really full, really ready squad. I think it just it seems like their time, I reckon. I think, you know, they've they've done what they've done last year, but I don't I don't think many other teams have really improved. I think most teams are going to be very similar level to what they were last year, if that sort of makes sense. So, yeah, um, I think it's 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 certainly their time. Have so back you... to question, Super League Grand Final and a Rugby League World Cup. They're my two sort of. Mate, they'd be two nice ones to tick off. That's for sure. Hey, quick question on that. Um, just on what we we're talking about before. Obviously, there's been a lengthy break for everyone in the professional sporting world. As a player, you could probably answer this better than someone like myself, but how much do you think that plays an effect on the momentum you create coming through a pre-season or coming into the first few rounds of a, of a comp? Oh, huge. I think, I think you throw out anything that happened in those first two rounds. And for your clubs like Canberra and Newcastle and them clubs that did have them couple of wins, I think it is sad for them because... That was see the thing. The thing with most seasons is you've got to cash in early. You've got to win as many games early as you can. That that eases all the pressure through the rest of the season. And what it does just puts you puts you in winning ways. I think if you if you lose too many early, I, I know it's not it's not the end of the world, but it just it creates that pressure and it you know it, it makes it for a lot tougher season. But you, I think you throw them out. I, I don't think it. I don't think you can count too much what happened in those first two rounds because you've got to start again and all the momentum's been halted and, and you've got to try and create that again. So, How far off are you boys from coming back? Um, see, we're, we're not in as much of a rush to get back, if that makes sense. We're, as I said, we don't, we don't rely as heavily on our TV deal. We, we have an obligation to Sky Sports to get our game back on as soon as possible. Um, yeah. But we can't do that at the detriment of, you know, the future financial position of the sport either. So um, people sort of try and compare the two and can try, try and compare us to other sports around the world. But we're just so different. Like we, you know, if, if we don't have fans in our stadium, it puts us in such a tough position. So, How is um, the feeling it, there with everything happening? Is it, is it it's uh, obviously scary. scarier than it is here? Yeah. Yeah, it's scary. It's definitely scary. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, like we've we've had our first round of pay cuts, um, and, and they're what I thought were pretty fair, you know, and, and pretty comparable to those that sort of have gone on around the world. But uh, we haven't. I don't think we've seen the darkest of our days yet in, in Super League, and that is scary. Yeah, uh, we can only put faith in the guys that are sort of going to try and lead us out of these situations, but. 
Um, I think we've got a tough couple of months coming up. And, and, and as I said, I really hope that we've got the right people in place to, to really get us out of this because, you know, it is going to be a big challenge. Definitely, mate. Well, look, I want to wish you all the best of health, um, happiness. And, and, mate, I'm really hoping that I can see you lift the, the trophy for Warrington at the end of the season. It would be... I don't have a, I don't have a team over in the Super League, so the Wolves, I'll, mate, I'll, I'll have to cool. jump on the, on the Wolves bandwagon. Um, but mate, really good. Super League, mate. So, what was that? Jump. Sorry, when the Roosters of the Super League jump on us, mate. Mate, hundred percent. I'm around it. I want to say thank you as well for for taking the time and, and reaching out the other day once you had a minute spare. Um, obviously, this means a lot to me. So I've put a lot of time and a bit of financial sacrifice into making this podcast and and this platform happen. So it means a lot that someone like yourself would get behind it. No worries, mate. All the best. Too good, mate. And for everyone listening, follow Blake on Instagram. Um, You're pretty active on socials, which is great for the fans, as well as anyone who, or the NRL boys, if you want to jump over and and test the waters in the Super League. It sounds like there's some exciting things happening over there. So, yeah, there is. Too good. Once again, mate. Cheers. Mate, you're a legend. Take it easy. Appreciate it. Bye bye.